Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Tim. I'm the senior minister here at St. John's, and uh, it's a privilege to be opening God's Word with you as we look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. It's on page 963, uh, if you want to have it uh, in your Bibles there. Uh, Andrew's given us a great introduction to the series, uh, Keep Calm and Carry On, uh, which is not really about keeping a, a British stiff upper lip, but the idea of perseverance, sticking with the gospel. Uh, and today we're thinking particularly about not being ashamed uh, of the gospel. When I was in uh, year seven, uh, we had a very vibrant uh, Christian group at the school where I, I was. Uh, particularly because there was a bunch of Year 12 students who were keen Christians, and every Tuesday they, they ran a group for the junior school boys uh, with great music, great Bible teaching, and a whole lot of fun. Uh, and the thing is that these Year 12 students who were the leaders of the Christian group were also the leaders within the school. The school captain and vice captain, they were cool and successful uh, people that we looked up to, and they were unashamedly Christian. Uh, they used to wear these little uh, fish badges, you know, the sort of uh, fish that you sometimes see on cars as bumper stickers. They had these little fish badges that they used to wear on their school shirts to show that they were Christian people and not ashamed of their faith. Uh, and so inspired was I and other little year sevens that we went out and bought these fish, stick, uh, fish badges as well and proudly pinned them to our shirts to show that we were unashamed of our Christian faith, that we were standing up for Jesus. Uh, which was great, uh, until the following week my woodwork teacher saw this on my shirt and said, what are you wearing that for? Uh, I can still remember the blood rushing to my face uh, until I pretty much resembled a beetroot. Um, my stammering response as I tried to sort of explain why I was wearing this thing, uh, what it meant to be a Christian, um, finally he put me out of my misery and said, Tim, the only reason I'm asking you is because I'm a Christian as well. Um, and actually, I think following Jesus is the most important thing that a person could do. Uh, it's interesting as I reflect back on that incident, just the reaction of that little year seven version of me who was embarrassed to talk about his Christian faith. Uh, maybe partly it was a personality thing. Uh, I was a fairly shy kid, I think. Uh, and so anything which was a little bit confrontational was a bit embarrassing. But at the same time, if the teacher had have asked me a question about the cricket or the footy, I probably could have conversed for hours unashamedly about those topics. So what was it about being a Christian that I was ashamed of? Now, I remember that Year 7 incident because of the emotional reaction that I had. Uh, it's kind of probably the earliest memory I have of actually being embarrassed about being a Christian. Um, but I'm not going to pretend that you know, I got over all that embarrassment when I was in year seven, that I have to go back that far to find a story like that. Um, we probably just get a bit better at, at managing it in our lives, and you might feel the same way, that there are times when, yeah, I'm a bit embarrassed to sort of be known as a Christian, or sometimes I do feel a bit ashamed. Those times uh, maybe where Christian topics come up and you gently steer it away to safer ground, or... Uh, times where you sort of gulp a bit when someone asks, why is it that you attend church? Times where maybe we censor our conversation and leave the fact that we're followers of Jesus out of the things that are important to us. What is it that we're sometimes embarrassed about or ashamed about? Um, we're all different. We have different personalities. Some of us are bolder than others. 
But when we do feel embarrassed or ashamed, why is that? What is it that sort of stops us speaking up for Jesus? Is it that when we think about the uh, Christian gospel, the good news about Jesus, that we just think it's not really that believable? You know, Christianity makes very bold truth claims uh, about uh, Jesus, about rising from the dead, um, about Jesus, this man who was also fully God. Do we think that maybe uh, it's just not something that people can believe? It's not real or believable. Do we think maybe that it lacks relevance? You know, people sort of think Christianity is outdated and sometimes we can go along with that. We can doubt the relevance. Does it really connect with the real issues of people's lives, the real issues in our world? Or maybe we can think that Christianity lacks reliability. Is it something that can really be trusted to invest your life in or invest your confidence in? What is it? Anything on that list that maybe... Um, uh, um, resonates with you in terms of the things that sometimes you might be doubtful about, embarrassed about, or ashamed about. Well, this letter of 2 Timothy is a really helpful letter as we reflect on these questions because the letter is all about the Christian gospel. Um, it's all about the good news of Jesus, Jesus' life, Jesus' death, and Jesus' resurrection, and the importance of sticking with that good news, that message of Jesus Christ in our lives. Uh, and in this chapter, Paul tells Timothy uh, in verse 8, which I think is sort of the key verse in this section, he tells him not to be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of that message about Jesus. And he goes on through the rest of the section to talk about why it is that we needn't be ashamed of this message of Jesus. Um, this letter is really a personal pastoral letter. Paul, the senior minister, the apostle, writing to his young mentoree, Timothy, this person that he has trained up in ministry and left in the city of Ephesus in modern-day Turkey to lead the churches there. It's clear, isn't it, as you heard this reading that Kylie brought us, that there is a deep relationship that exists between these two. Um, Paul describes Timothy as his beloved child. He tells him how constantly he prays for him. He remembers Timothy's tears, probably when they were last separated, that it was a painful parting and Timothy was in tears when Paul left. And he himself says that he longs to see Timothy so that he can be filled with joy. There's a powerful picture of a deep friendship, a deep partnership between the two. And this letter is an expression of that. Uh, Paul is seeking to continue to encourage and mentor Timothy so that he can keep going with the important ministry that he's undertaken. And so it's in that context of their relationship that Paul says in verse 8, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. So why is it that Paul would need to say to Timothy, don't be ashamed of the gospel? Presumably he needs to say it because there's some possibility that Timothy might be or perhaps even that his behavior reflects that maybe he is a bit doubtful or embarrassed we don't know but Paul feels the need to reinforce this point keep going don't be ashamed of the gospel uh, some people suggest that maybe you know Timothy's own personality tended him towards a sort of shyness or timidity that he wasn't the sort of type a dominant leader um, but someone who was filled with fears and doubting his own ability 
Uh, so those verses that we looked at uh, with Carolyn in the kids' talk in verses 6 and 7. Uh, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid but gives us power, love and self-discipline. Timothy's been a set aside as a, as a leader of the church. Paul's laid hands on him and commissioned him. Um, and it seems that at that time he's received some unnamed spiritual gift uh, that he's to exercise in his leadership. Perhaps it's the gift of leadership itself. Uh, certainly, as Carolyn pointed out, it's, it's the Holy Spirit at work in his life gifting him for the task that he has. But Paul's worried that, that Timothy might be holding back in some way. And so Paul basically tells him, as we saw with that image of the candle, to fire up, kindle that flame. It's a bit like the halftime speech from the coach wanting the footy team to keep on going, keep with it, persevere, we can do this. That's the sort of motivational speech that Paul is giving Timothy. Get back out there, stick in there, fan it into flame. God's spirit doesn't fill people with cowardice, but with power, love and self-discipline. So maybe that's it. Maybe it's sort of something in Timothy's personality that lends him towards that. Um, But there's more to it than that, isn't there? There's more to it because Paul says again in verse 8, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. See, this letter is written in the midst of persecution. Paul is writing this letter from a prison cell. He's chained up as he writes this letter, because he has shared the message of Jesus with other people and it hasn't been well received. And Timothy too is probably under some threat of persecution. Paul encourages him to suffer for the gospel as well. And so some of the feeling of of shame might be because the gospel of Jesus seems so weak. I mean, at the end of this chapter, Paul says pretty much everyone in the province of Asia has abandoned it. Everyone's left it behind. Timothy, don't you do the same as well? This is a message, remember, about a Lord who was put to death on a cross. It's a message which seems very weak and foolish at times. Uh, I've probably showed before this uh, picture, this uh, piece of graffiti. It's one of the earliest pieces of graffiti um, which has been recovered. It's from um, a wall in Rome. And you can see there that there's a figure on the cross which has been given an ass's head. And there's a young man standing nearby holding his, his hand up. And the, in the, in, the translation of the inscription is, Alexamenos worships his God. <laughs> what an idiot. Um, the graffiti artist is saying, here's this guy following Jesus, worshipping Jesus, some fool, weak fool, who was put to death on a cross. Uh, And the message seems weak because it's about a crucified saviour, Jesus. And the person who has passed that message um, on to um, Timothy and equipped him and trained him is now himself locked up in a prison cell somewhere. Hardly a powerful and inspiring, inspirational message that Timothy is now calling people to follow this Jesus and live this life which may result in suffering and prison for them too. So because of the circumstances, Timothy might be in danger of feeling ashamed of the gospel. So what is it for us? We're not quite in the same circumstances, but as I said before, sometimes it's about 
the relevance of the Christian faith um, because lots of people just dismiss it these days as being irrelevant? Um, is it the believability that is this stuff real? Um, is it about its reliability? What is it for us which might be slightly different than it is for Timothy? Well, regardless, what we see is that Paul brings us back to the gospel itself. Paul brings us back to the message about Jesus and he lays out in this section why it's so important and what it is that we need to know about it so that we can stick with it. Firstly, um, he asks, well, he, he states that the gospel is in fact relevant. And he does that in a variety of ways. He describes the message of the gospel in this chapter using a number of different expressions, showing how it connects with our lives, showing how it connects with our heartfelt concerns and how it connects with our deepest human needs. So if you have a look at verse 1 uh, there, when Paul is describing his own ministry, he says that it is in keeping with the promise of, of life that is in Christ Jesus. He says a similar thing down in verse 10. Um, where he describes Jesus as the one who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. Uh, the Christian message, Paul says, the gospel is a message about life. Uh, a few years back, you might remember, there was a media campaign uh, in Australia which was titled, Jesus, All About Life. Paul would be in agreement with that and it captures very well what the Christian faith is all about. Jesus himself said in, in John chapter 10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The message about Jesus is about living life to its fullest. It's about finding who we truly are as human beings, created to be and living life the way that God intended us to live. It's about a full and fulfilling life now, but it's also about a life that doesn't stop. Jesus, by his own death and resurrection, has abolished death. He's defeated the great enemy of God, which destroys relationship, and he offers this life after death, the hope of resurrection. Now, what could be more real and what could be more relevant for us? One of the deepest cries of the human heart is how do we deal with the problem of death? How do we deal with the inevitability of death for each of us and for those who we love? Um, we had a funeral here at St John's on Thursday for Lil Harwood. We've got another funeral here tomorrow morning for Rose Williams. Death is a reality for us. Uh, and yet at both of those funeral services, we're able to celebrate life in the midst of death, the life that those women have in Jesus, that death is not the end for either of them. Uh, and this is not some sort of vague hope that you often hear when you go to a funeral service where people are trying to find something to cling to. Oh, they've just gone to another room. Oh, I know they must be looking down on us. Um, they'll live on in our hearts. You know, those sorts of platitudes that people roll out, no. We can say with confidence that Jesus himself has risen from the dead and because he has risen from the dead, he has destroyed the power of death and brought life for those who trust in him. 
because Jesus has risen from the dead, he will raise up those who trust in him. The gospel is about life. Life lies at its heart and that makes it thoroughly relevant for us. There's no reason to be ashamed of the gospel thinking that it's irrelevant. No, it is of the most utmost relevance to our lives and our deepest needs. Secondly, Paul says, well, he comes to the question of, you know, what about the question of is the gospel real? Look at what he says in verses 9 and 10. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus. Paul's saying God had a plan for the world before the world even began. But the plan became a reality with the appearing of Jesus. When Jesus stepped into our reality, stepped into human history, God's grace was revealed. Paul is showing us and reminding us that the Christian gospel is anchored and grounded in historical reality. See, Christianity is not primarily a philosophy, is it? Um, Christianity is not primarily just a series of wise sayings from this wise teacher Jesus that we shape our lives around. Um, Yes, Jesus did have some powerful teaching to give us, but the heart of Christianity is that it doesn't centre on a series of teachings to be discussed, but it centres on a person, Jesus Christ, who lived in human history, did things in human history, died on a cross in human history, and rose again and was cited by hundreds of witnesses in human history. Therefore, it's, it's a message which is real, that can be tested, that can be believed, because it's grounded in a historical reality and it's backed by historical evidence. Uh, you might be here today and you might not call yourself a Christian. Um, it's great that you're here, it's great that you're with us and you're very welcome. And I'd encourage you to put the Christian faith to the test by investigating Jesus. Um, Jesus is, uh, Christianity is not something that is worth following if Jesus isn't who he claimed to be and if he didn't do what he claimed to do. Most importantly, dying on a cross to deal with our rejection of God and coming back alive again to defeat death and to give us the hope of eternal life. Those are radical claims, I know. They're so radical that people often dismiss Christianity as wacky. And that's why we Christians sometimes feel ashamed of our faith because of the way people dismiss these big claims that the Christian faith makes. But we don't believe these things because it sounds like a nice idea. We believe it because we think it's real, that it really happened. That impossible as it might sound, Jesus really did come back from the dead. Now, I should warn you that if you are to investigate Jesus, that you'll be taking a big risk if you do so. Because on numerous occasions, people have done this, often very sceptically, and done with the purpose of demonstrating that it isn't true, and they've ended up as a follower of Jesus because they can't deny that it is, in fact, true. So the gospel, the message about Jesus, is relevant but it's also real. We've got no reason to be ashamed of the gospel because it's real, 
It's grounded in historical reality. It's able to be tested. But thirdly, the gospel is reliable. It's worthy of our confidence. It's something that's a reliable investment, even if the cost to us initially is high. The reliability of the gospel is seen in the fact that God has a plan and he's stuck to that plan. Again, verse 9, God had this plan before the world began. Now, that's pretty reliable long-term planning, isn't it? We had a staff planning day this past week and we were discussing, should we be thinking ahead to where the church should be in five years' time or in ten years' time? Man, that's short-term planning compared to the plans of God who had a plan before the world began and if that's his plan, then he's not going to just change it on a whim, is he? He's committed to that plan and he's going to see it through. In fact, the reliability of the gospel is founded in the very character of God himself. Uh, Look at verse 12. Here's Paul locked in a prison cell because he's been teaching people about Jesus and he says this, Yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Uh, I don't know whether you've ever been abseiling, but there's a very scary moment when you abseil and it's the moment when you actually go over the edge of the cliff. It's the moment where you shift your body from a vertical position to a horizontal position It's the moment where you put your weight on the rope and pass the point where you can't get back up again. Uh, Some of you are are feeling squeamish uh, just hearing my description of that. It's in that that moment when you go over the edge that it's not uncommon for you to look at the person who's holding the rope and ask the question, are they reliable and trustworthy? What sort of person are they? Do they know what they're doing and are they going to let me, uh, let me down? Uh, no pun intended. Um, in the moment when you go over the cliff, your relationship with the person holding the rope is very important. Paul is saying here, Christianity is about a relationship with God. Can you trust God with your life? Is God going to hold that rope, so to speak? And Paul knows that this God to whom he has entrusted himself isn't going to let him down. Paul says, he will guard what I have entrusted to him. He will guard what I have entrusted to him, which I take as a reference to his life, which he's committed to the service of God. He's given his very life into God's hands. He's spent his life in the service of God, and yet he trusts God with that thing that he has given him. He's taken massive risks for the gospel. Is it worth it? Paul says, yes, because I know the one for whom I've done it. He's reliable. He will guard that investment. God will never be in anyone's debt. There's no need to be ashamed of the gospel, Paul says, because it's reliable And it's reliable because God is reliable and he will see it through. So there might be times in our lives where we're tempted to be embarrassed about the Christian faith, maybe a bit ashamed of the Christian gospel, where we have doubts, where we do feel a bit timid and unsure about sharing it with others. 
I think the remedy for that is to do what Paul has done here, to come back and remind ourselves again about what the gospel is all about, what the message itself is. And like Paul says, reminding ourselves that it's relevant, it deals with the key issues of life, the yearnings of the human heart. It's about life itself. That it's real. This is not a made-up fairy story. This is grounded in historical reality. It can be checked, it can be tested, it can be believed. Can be believed. And it's reliable. God will see it through to the end and what we entrust to him, he will actually be reliable with. There's no need for Paul to be ashamed of it. There's no need for Timothy to be ashamed of it and there's no reason for you or I to be ashamed of it either. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ, for his life, for his death for our sins and for his resurrection giving us life now and eternal life. Uh, Please help us not to be ashamed but to continue to persevere in the gospel and to share it with others. And we thank you that this good news is relevant, that it's real and that it's reliable. Amen.